bluegrass from the Mountain Boys, a silent auction, and of course plenty of chess, including a mini bug house tournament, all to raise funds for a permanent home. Tickets are $25 to $55. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit berkeleychessschool.org or call 510-843-0117. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of sight this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw and today is Tuesday May the 11th 2010 As I'm sure you are aware by now, we're raising money this week. (laughs) That's the first thing I must do is ask you to subscribe to KPFA and maybe later on in this little half hour, I'll, uh, I'll go for the hard sell. I'm so lousy at that. Anyway, I don't have a special premium. What I would encourage you to do is to uh, get the Bill Moyers tape. Uh, I think next week I will have a premium. Yes, uh, one of the wonderful goddess goddess uh, tapes. You know, the good stuff. Uh, but I was listening this morning to Bill Moyers, and it brings a tear to my eye because he's quitting. He's giving up. Ah, he's not a young man anymore, so he's entitled to retire. He said he would continue to do some specials, but I have been a um, fan of Bill Moyers ever since a program he did many years ago. He was dealing with the abortion issue, and he had the guys from Planned Parenthood on, and he said all the wise things. Uh, Basically, he said, well... You can't run a society. You can't keep things real if you decide to outlaw half the population. And I thought, well, I guess he does understand. For women to be in a position where they cannot decide for themselves whether they're going to have that child or not, well, you know... uh, do we have to say it over and over again? Uh, I I know that Bill Moyers is what I would call uh, one of the angels. Uh, he does such a good job. He tried. There was a speech on this morning. He was talking to the military youth, you know, the cadets who are going forth from school to protect our nation. Uh, the military kids, uh, he stated that he was not a pacifist, that is, Bill Moyers, um, but that he advocates 
constitutional law in matters military. You know how that is. Uh, not since 1941 has our Congress actually declared war. Now, the Constitution clearly states that the legislative branch of government is the lawful place for wars to come into being, you know. The uh, Congress has to get behind it. Uh, the civilian or civil control of military machinery is something that the founders knew all about. Um, they knew that executive power is the source of tyranny. They knew all about that king thing. <laughs> the king thing is what the um, uh, what the founders suffered from. That's what our revolution was all about, to get the king's um, boot or foot off our neck. Uh, today, we're still suffering from a similar evil, the evils of our own King George. George W. Bush. Ah, yeah, the guy who heard the word of God. That is his personal Christian God. Um, God always needs a hell of a lot of definition, you know. Anyway, George's hubris, arrogance, whatever you want to call it. Uh, well, it corrupted absolutely. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. One man rule is <laughs> a recipe for disaster. Oh, was it Gertrude Stein said once, she said, uh, let me recite what history teaches. History teaches. Now, Barack Obama knows all this stuff, and <laughs> he's learning how difficult it is to stop this train to hell. It's a runaway locomotive. How, how? Is he to leave uh, countries in which we have messed up the social order? Uh, same as the Vietnam scenario. Think of all those human beings who will die or whose futures will be destroyed uh, if and when uh, the United States pulls out of their country when the occupiers leave them behind to take the rap. If I were... God, or if I were the one in charge, I would simply say that anyone in Iraq or Afghanistan, any collaborator, let's say it, anyone who has uh, joined with our forces, uh, translators, whatever you call it, whatever, uh, if these individuals fear for their future. Well, I think they should just get on a plane and go wherever they choose and that we should pick up the bill. Even if they want to go to Idaho, who knows? I think if you analyze it, it might actually save money. <laughs> it, funding a diaspora couldn't cost any more than what it's costing us to keep on killing the civilians. Oh, of course, we know the damage is done. Oh, ha, ha, ha. leave wringing of the hands. Who knows how history will play out? Of course, the fact is we broke it. We must pay for it. And let's be honest, uh, it is the people of those besieged countries who will pay 
they will pay through the nose. American lives will go on much the same. Uh, the problems have become conditions, and our suffering will be limited, as far as I can see, to economic uh, discomforts. You know, if you ask most Americans, that's what they care about. And it's never much use to point out to them that the economy is a direct result of our death culture's outrageous demands for more, more war. It's kind of a psychosis. Um, the wargasm. Some guys are writing books, uh, actually, uh, fessing up, telling us how, what is that, how, I guess the word is pleasurable, how how much they like, how much they uh, enjoy these uh, wars. Um, I'm sure that most wouldn't come out and say so, but, you know, it's whoopee. It's always the biggest, the biggest uh, romance or tragedy of their lives, you know, the encounter with death. Never mind. I'll... I'll just give up and, and be a girl. Yes, I'll just go back and do the culture wars. I'll just <laughs> stick to the nonsense. <laughs> you know, my escape is the chattering classes. You know, I, I worry more about movies about wars. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, I was listening. Well, I hope you all know that the... The great comedian Mort Saul is 83 years old today, and uh, I looked all over my house today. I couldn't find an old LP. I know I have it somewhere. I don't even know if we play LPs down here. Mort Saul has this wonderful album called The Future Lies Ahead. came out in the 50s, and I thought that would be a perfect historic historical mem memory, yes. The future lies ahead. You're right about that, Mort. Anyway, uh, those guys were so funny, and they saved, they saved my psyche when I was a young person, when I was so emotional that I, I just couldn't bear it. I remember listening to Tom Lehrer songs. Now, Tom Lehrer has said that his satire, he says there's no, no audience for it anymore, but uh, I think that audience is reviving Tom Lehrer's wonderful songs about uh, American hubris. What he and Mort Saul do, they celebrate the absurdo stupidisms of our damned human race. Remember Mark Twain used to say that uh, we were the only animal that suffered from a moral sense. Yes, it was our moral sense, he said, that made us so dangerous, so destructive. <laughs> who else? Who else is willing to die for a fantasy, for a delusion, for an idea, a belief? You know, the God thing is the ultimate, ultimate madness, I guess. Uh, I've never quite figured it out. I'm still studying it. Uh, the use of a god or a, uh, what is it, a delusion. Uh, I, I remember when I first studied comparative religions, I noticed that most religions start out 
with wonderful, wonderful uh, saints, compassionate um, uh, messiahs, you know. Make Mother Earth your messiah used to be my own favorite pagans, right? And I always thought that the love thy neighbor um, business, I thought that was so sensible, so practical, so pragmatic. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to some interviews last night with dear Lena Horn. Now, that's my idea of a good Christian, a good Christian woman. Lena Horn has died uh, at the age of 92. We have lost this great um, performer, this great soul. She was a major goddess. Uh, she resisted racism all her life. Uh, yes, her theme song was Stormy Weather. Uh, some twit on the BBC used the word paranoia. I jumped. <laughs> her, um, well, the, the guy that was on with this pundit said, excuse me, but uh, Lena Horne was vindicated by what happened in the 60s, blah, 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 blah. But uh, the, the, uh, the guy who used the word paranoia, he said something about the vogue, you know, the racist vogue. Uh, when Lena Horne was young, we all know how serious it was. Uh, Eartha Kitt made one remark to um, Lyndon Johnson's wife, and her career was over uh, in the United States. Uh, anyway, Lena Horne was uh, uh, very particular. She wouldn't perform before segregated audiences. She wouldn't go with the flow. And uh, like Eartha Kitt, too, she made her career on the stage. Uh, Hollywood did not respect the talents of most black performers, uh, you know how that was. They put her, Lena Horn, in some pictures and then they packaged it so that they could cut out the scenes when they sent the movie down south. Uh, anyway, um, Lena Horn was perfect for the role of Julie in Showboat. Those of you who are familiar with Showboat remember the role of the tragic singer. Julie. She's a mixed race woman and uh, she's living in the time when miscegenation or marriage, uh, interracial marriage was against the law. And so um, she she suffers accordingly. Uh, But mm, Ava Gardner got the part. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Lena Horne was talking about it on the radio and she made some jokes about the makeup they created the experts created some makeup to uh, make Lena Horn look darker she was uh, too light skinned for them and then they used it on Ava I forget what the name of the makeup was something Egypt something yes (laughs) Egypt Egypt um, Egypt gold Egypt brown anyway all that news, all that gossip about people and places and uh, cultural stuff, yes, culture vultures. It's what keeps so many of us busy and distracted from the real story. Uh, I have always been one of the foolish ones who's perfectly happy to look at the stuff on the surface, you know, and then I turn around and look at the depths and I see what is happening in the Gulf, and I cannot even bear to think of it. I just cannot even talk about it. Uh, 
We know that the environmental deterioration, uh, which is destroying human lives, is too grim to talk about. Uh, Helen Caldecott said it once. She said, We have come to the end of living and the beginning of surviving. So many of us seem to accept this, uh, whatever this fate. I said something to someone uh, the other day, and he said, well, well, I was talking about doomsday. And he said, oh, the, the question is, what, what shall we do between now and then? <laughs> I said, okay, okay. Uh, uh, my own question in my old age is, uh, what is it that's worth saving? What is it we should hang on to? Uh, what is it that gives us hope? Jimmy Baldwin, James Baldwin always said that we must never say to the young that there is no hope. So I started making a list. And I would just love it if KPFA listeners, if you have a list of your own, send it to me and I can use it here on the air. Because I know there's a lot of stuff worth saving. You know, um, on the plants, you know, uh uh, the main thing, of course, is we also have to make a list of how we might do this, you know. I always start with the music. I know they've sent a little music out into space, just in case, you know. I'm sure somebody will find it someday, you know, in one of the other galaxies. Uh, I have studied it, and it says here that there's 200 million galaxies in the universe, at least. <laughs> but if we want to save our music, that means we got to save the musicians. See, one thing always leads to another. And I would like to save the imaginations of a few men and women and the laughter of very young children and pizza and kittens and the Book of Kells and that kind of thing. <laughs> I can't resist. I need to read you one poem here from Edna St. Vincent Millay. I dug it out at four o'clock this morning because I was listening, unfortunately, to what was happening to the, the sea, what was happening to the seabed out there in the Gulf. And I had some nightmares, yes. This poem is in Edna Millay's collection, Epitaph for the Race of Man. It's in a book called Wine from These Grapes. It's an ancient text here, back in the 1930s. Even back in the 1930s, she knew what was coming. Edna Millay, in her epitaph for the race of man, writes in Sonnet 18, Here lies, and none to mourn him but the sea, that falls incessant on the empty shore. Most various man, cut down to spring no more. Before his prime, even in his infancy, cut down. And all the clamor that was he silenced. And all the riveted pride he wore, a rusted iron column whose tall core the rains have tunneled like an aspen tree. Man, 
Doughty men, what power has brought you low that heaven itself in arms could not persuade to lay aside the lever and the spade and be as dust among the dusts that blow? Whence, whence the broadside, whose the heavy blade? Strive not to speak, poor scattered mouth. I know. That is Edna Millay's poem, um, sonnet in her epitaph, for the race of men. I was looking to see... I can't resist reading a little, a little, just a little piece of Sonnet 15. And then uh, I've been told very often that you should never read more than one poem at a time because people, uh, you know, they don't have the attention span. (laughs) Anyway, Edna writes in her uh, Sonnet series, Epitaph for the Race of Man. These are just a few lines from Sonnet 15. She writes... The questioning mind of man, that by and by from the void's rim returns with swooning eye, having seen himself into the maelstrom spill, blench not, O race of Adam, lest you find in the sun's bubbling bowl anonymous death, or lost in whistling space without a mind, to monstrous nothing yield your little breath. You shall achieve destruction where you stand in intimate conflict at your brother's hand. Indeed, yes, indeed, as I keep muttering, yes, nothing will change until fathers and Parents love their sons more than they hate their enemies. You know how that goes. (laughs) Somehow that requires more imagination than most humans have. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, today's all about about money, about supporting KPFA, right, uh, free radio. Uh, I made a list of good things to say about our institution here. How else can we hear ourselves think? How else can we promote progressive politics? Speak truth to power. Tell it like it is. Be a voice for the voiceless. Advocate for those who fall through the cracks. (laughs) I can turn out the cliches faster than anybody. Anyway, it's all for those who are too old or too young to take care of themselves and too sick and too injured to speak. Anyway, uh, it's all very real. I'm forever grateful for the support we get here at KPFA. It always amazes me that people are willing to open their wallets. And I mean to ask forgiveness for my own neglect for um, calls I haven't answered, letters I haven't responded to. I have not been in the fast lane the last year or so. Um, and I'm always so relieved to know how many listeners just go ahead and do the right thing anyway. If you call into KPFA, you know you can get uh, Bill Moyer's CD set and you can get Bill Moyer's book. Mere 150 bucks. <laughs> and the book is $80. I don't know. Call KPFA at 510 848 5732. 
1-800-439-5732. That's it. Or 1-800-AKPFA. I bet you, I bet you, you can get a CD set if you're in the mood. And remember, next week, I'll come back with my, my goddess premium. <laughs> I was going to bring my Chromebook today. Chrome, woman of age, wisdom and power, you know. It's all about how we have to feminize God. That's a fun notion. It's just a metaphor. It's all just a metaphor. Uh, anyway, uh, some of the KPFA listeners uh, have written to me about their objections to this or that and uh, to tell me their choices, their opinions. And at the same time, they seem willing to continue to give us funds even when we don't say the things they want us to say. Now, this enables us to pay our bills, to keep the doors open. (laughs) Imagine, there are people left here in uh, Northern California who are willing to pay money just for free speech, even if it isn't the speech they want. Now, that is a statement, and that is what gives me hope, you know, uh, hope that we still own the airwaves, some of them, Because, of course, media is mostly the property of corporate capital, mostly the big boys. Big Brother calls the tune, the ruling class, sucks up dissent like a great vacuum cleaner, you know. That sucking sound, that's a kind of hurricane wind. We hear it every time a human voice pierces the wilderness of greed that gushes everywhere. Media just reduces it to uh, sour grapes. They just say that, uh, you know, it's those environmentalists again making a fuss, <laughs> spoiling the fun. Anyway, what I hear, of course, is the roar of Moloch, the great money god. We are all of us victims of Moloch. Allen Ginsberg used to say, what he said, do you believe in Moloch or not? I do. It's a monster. It's the golden calf. Sacred cow for most people. Behind every human transaction, every relationship, every connection is the god Moloch. All this faith in wealth, gold. Uh, even the Bible says a man's heart lies with his treasure. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. Ever since the invention of property, well, private property, to be more up to date. Ever since this concept of ownership and possession came into being, uh, I guess that's about it. Ever since that day, so someone told me the other day, she said, you know, women, she said, were the first class, the first slaves. And I said, well, not all of them, not all of them. <laughs> we have been in this struggle with ourselves and with each other um, since the beginning Our species is such a noble experiment. Our drama is profound. The question, of course, is whether human beings are capable of altruism. As my mother used to say, yes, uh, yes, greed and selfishness. That is what we are put on earth to rise above. It's all very well, uh, you know, asking people to share when there's plenty to go around. Actually, there is plenty to go around, but we don't believe it. It's the damnedest thing. Uh, we know that most of us would desire to do so, to share, 
to be fair. Jimmy Carter said the world is not fair, but you know, if it were, you know, if you could share, well, just in your own village, you would discover uh, how comfortable things can be. You know, they tell me that traveling in some of the poorest parts of the world, you discover everywhere open hearts and hospitality. Apparently, the less we have, the more generous we can be. And that's a curiosity. Love for one's neighbor. What a strange notion, notion, you know. Compassion is enlightened self-interest. The clans, the tribes. I love the, the ones in New Guinea. I used to watch a, my favorite TV show. They would have these big parties and the uh, test was, you know, how much you could give to the tribe. Across uh, the river, the guy who um, found the most piggies, you know, and chopped them up and sent them to the headman across the river. He got to be the king, the one who was the most generous. Imagine a world in which the person who spends the most money on social programs and hospitals and schools and all the good stuff, he gets to be the king. He gets to be the boss of it. You know, all that political money? <laughs> this has been Jennifer Stone. I won't be on Thursday morning, but I will be back next Tuesday at this time, and we'll talk about the crone, the crone's coming. Till then, go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. And it's 3.30. You're listening to KPFA and KPFB in Berkeley and KFCF in Fresno.